0: Welcome to EventUp, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award
1: galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma.
0: Welcome to EventUp, the place to get the latest and greatest in event industry news, ideas, and topics. In this episode, we'll be discussing event trends and what makes an event go from good to great. Today, I'm joined by Michaela Kristoff, Vice President of Event Management at Bessemer Trust. Michaela is responsible for planning, execution, and management for 75 to 100 events annually across the U.S., Guests include clients, prospective clients, and COIs. She serves as the founding junior board member of Part of the Solution, an organization that assists New Yorkers struggling with poverty. She is a past recipient of Harlem YMCA's 50 Achievers in the Industry Award and has been featured on the Empower 100 Ethnic Minority List and the BISBASH Connect 40 Under 40 List for the Event professional. Michaela earned her MBA in Marketing and Project Management from Iona College and a BA in Communications from SUNY Albany. Welcome, Michaela.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: This is amazing. Yeah, I definitely saw the editorial for BizBash Connect 40 Under 40, and then I remember like you really stood out. And after that, like, I just kept seeing you and I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to invite her to come to our podcast.
1: (laughs) No, that one was actually very special to me personally. Um, One, because both my sister and I received that um, recognition. Um, She's also in the event space at Forbes. So it was really special for us both to be um, achieving that that recognition from our peers in the industry.
0: That's great. So how did you get started, Michaela?
1: Oh, I mean, it was very interesting, actually, because when I graduated um, SUNY Albany, I had a degree in communications, um, minor in business, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. That's part of, partly why I chose um, those majors, because they were broad enough to be kind of used in, in various, you know, industries. Um, and I uh, got started in the interior design space um, as a project manager. Um, and what that opportunity did was um, it allowed me to Um, really get my hands involved in everything. I was a coordinator, project coordinator, working with the project managers. And in that industry, we worked with um, designers. So whenever there was um, new product launches, we would have um, a a revamp of the showroom with our new products and displays. And that was probably my first taste of working within with the marketing team. Um, And once I did that, uh, I really opened my mind that I wanted to be involved in marketing Um, a little bit more. And transitionally, I wanted to be involved in the event space. I was able to work um, on a a new brand launch. uh, And that in that role, I was the event producer for that that, um, launch. And I think that was where I had my first taste of the event space. And I knew I wanted to be a part of it um, for the long haul.
0: I feel like people either love it or they're like, who, why would I want to do this?
1: <laughs> it is very high stress, but I will say that my background in project management definitely prepared me because the work I was doing was very transferable in terms of the skill set to event. Event management is project management. It's just, you know, it varies from industry to industry, but the, the bones are the same.
0: Yes, exactly. Definitely. But it's so great that you found your passion, you know, you kind of have like your journey and then each along the way, you kind of define it more and more,
1: right? Right, right. Definitely.
0: And that's great that you ended up in events, you know, yeah, I think I mean, special it, people.
1: <laughs> I know it's it's not for the faint of heart. I'll say that. Um, I'm sure you, you know that as well. But I think that the feeling you get once you've Reach the end of an event and it's gone well and all your hard work has paid off is a feeling that's pretty indescribable.
0: For sure. We just finished a big event here at our agency recently, and, you know, we designed the event or the reception portion, whereas like the after party of Oscar, that was like kind of the vibe and feeling we're going with. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then at the event, when people are walking in, I love just kind of like standing by the entrance and then they were coming in. They're like, oh, my God, it's like the Oscars. I was like, Check. <laughs> <laughs> I could go home. Oh, now. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So it's great. You know, you see it like come to life and people appreciating like they, you just see their eyes like kind of span the room. Right. right? So it's right. Kind of really great. Yeah. So, what are some trends that you're seeing this year in the event landscape?
1: I will say that um, on a broad level, I'm finding that especially post pandemic, um, there's more connectivity between the departments internally when it comes to the event landscape. I think um, maybe pre pandemic events was, I don't want to say it was in, in a realm of its own, but a lot of the times, you know, we wouldn't get as much buy in from other departments just because it's very hard to show ROI a lot of the times on a Immediate, um, an immediate kind of uh, uh, post event metric is very hard to come up with in terms of, you know, did we get a client off of this event? Um, But I think during the pandemic, people had been cooped up inside, and post pandemic, what we're finding um, is that people are itching to connect again in person at live events. And I think internally within the company, they're kind of giving us a lot more resources. We're getting more support from the different departments, especially digital, to help enhance our programming. So I think that is definitely a trend I'm seeing. I'm also seeing uh, more focus on efficiencies. As you know, in the event landscape, post-pandemic especially, there has been a lot of turnover, layoffs, um, even in the hospitality support staff, the wait staff we have on site. Um, there It's a lot of newcomers or a lot of the people that you used to work with is no longer there. So we're just finding we're having to find ways to fine tune our process um, and just be more efficient because obviously pricing um, has gone up, inflation. Um, So we're just trying to be more efficient in in maybe things that we've done before in the past and how we can be more efficient with a little bit less of the resources that we probably had in the past.
0: What are some things that you shaved off?
1: Um, I will say that we're using a lot more internal um, talent um, and internal support versus um, outsourcing, let's say, interns, or not interns, um, uh, you know consulting folks that you can just hire for temps for on-site support. I think that um, we're also um, being more strategic on if we have to give gifts for every single event. You know, Maybe if it's a client-facing event, we'll provide a gift if it makes sense to the, the programming. But not every event needs um, a goodie or a swag item at the end of it. The overall experience of the program if it's strong enough, will be enough of a takeaway. So we're doing definitely cost savings there as well.
0: That's great. And that really ties in also to sustainability, right? Yes. I think a lot of us go to events and we get this like little gift and mm-hmm. sometimes like I take it home, I give it to my kids or, right, I, right. or I'll, I see people also like leave it on the table, exactly. right? The events we t- I, mean, I never like to see that because if we go and give one or the client wants to give one, we really want one that will make an impact Right, right exactly. Like, yeah. Just
1: being really strategic and smart about the gifts that you are giving. And then also we're moving away from um, having as much paper invitations. Um, we used to do a lot more, you know, physical paper invitations. And then in the industry that I'm in, in finance, a lot of our um, clientele are, are, you know, a little bit more elderly and they're used to having that paper copy. But I think what the pandemic um, did was actually kind of, especially with the QR codes and those kind of activations that are everywhere now at airports, at restaurants, it it kind of normalized that digital first approach. So now, when we're trying to do invitations, we're moving away from sending out that hard mail copy and really focusing on having it be fully virtual. Um, and it's it's gonna it takes some time for everyone to get you know. To fully buy into that but I think that that's that's the way that it, it's going that's the way the world is moving so we need to mm-hmm. kind of get on board
0: yeah it's great I love QR codes like you're scanning right
1: yeah I still love the paper to be honest um, when I'm at a, a restaurant in particular but for, in, invitation wise I think it's it's lost because you get something in the mail and then you put it somewhere you can't find it whereas if you just have it on your phone it's, it's really invaluable you're it, you lose a lot of things but very rarely do you lose your phone. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: for sure. And then there's so many sophisticated program now for invitation where you can even have like a button as an add to calendar.
1: Oh right? yeah. Make yes. sure
0: like people show up. Right.
1: Right. Even um, when I used to work at my prior firm, BNY Mellon, um, there was, uh, uh, we did a lot, some events where we would use the mobile apps and that was a game changer for us because as you know, when you have multi-day sessions, you would have printed out, you know, binded copies of the agendas that you'd give out to the attendees. But then at the last minute, if there was a room change or there was a, a time change or any of those types of things, it was like that all that paper, we'd have to throw it out and print out a whole new set. It was a mad dash. Now with the, you know, creation of the mobile apps, it's really in real time. You just go on the backend, update, push through a push notification and everyone gets it on their, on their device. So it's really moving forward and, and thinking ahead and being smarter. And working smarter, not harder really is what it is.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's a great one. So what are, um, I know you have done so many events, Michaela. What is one that really stood out to you that's been really impactful that you championed within the last few years?
1: Um, I will definitely say, I believe it was last year um, when I was working um, at BNY Mellon, we had uh, Ruby Bridges on um, a virtual event. And she, if you don't know, is American civil um, civil rights activist, and she was one of the first um, people to get integrated into um, one of the white all white schools, and it was really really powerful for me personally, um, just to be able to hear that story because you know everyone has seen the photo, you kind of hear hear the blurb about who she is on a high level, Um, but I had never heard the story. In full in detail, and then to hear it from her directly um, speaking um remembering how it was being a six year old child and and what she thought what she what Ruby bridges um, thought that whole uh, experience was you know at, she she I believe she said that um, she thought it was uh, Mardi Gras that she had no idea. Um, when she was driving up to the school and and there was all these crowds of people and they were kind of throwing things and just goes to show the innocence of a child she thought it was mardi, mardi gras and that um you know it was a celebration not realizing in her innocence that you know this was this this thing was happening um that was all for her in a negative light you know but it was it was so captivating and it was just such a rare opportunity for me. Um, I think by the end of it, we were just so touched and moved and we got so much amazing feedback um, that even in the virtual landscape, that just hearing those kinds of personal stories that really gives you insight that you wouldn't have had. You, it's not available in all, you know, there wasn't at the time, all these movies from her own voice, you know, so it was very special and um, something I'll never forget being a part of.
0: Wow. And you've done a lot, but this one stood out and made it stood out. And what was
1: surprising is it's virtual, you know, out of all the events I've done, and there were others that were special, but this one, I think because, and it just goes to show, you know, if you have an impactful speaker that can connect with your audience on a deeper level, you don't need all the bells and whistles. It's really the content, um, and, and being able to find someone that can connect to your audience in that deeper way. um, Mm -hmm. that makes a difference.
0: For sure. I just came back from an entrepreneur conference too. And they had a Disney animator there. So he oh, wow. was kind of sharing his journey, his story, and how his mom was always so supportive. Drove him to eight different art schools to find wow. his... I was like, eight? Like, I went to three, visit three and I thought that was a lot. Right? But just... And then me being a mom too. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, that's what I need to do for my kids later. <laughs> but, you know, it was just really inspiring. And he's like super successful now. And yeah, but content is definitely, it really makes an impression when you have the right speaker, you're right.
1: It really does. And honestly, I I think that sometimes I think in the event space, you get so bogged down on like the bells and whistles and that is important. Um, You, you do need to, to get people to come to the event. And a lot of it is, you know, what are you, what are you going to give me? What do you, you know, what, what, what cool activations do you have on site? But a lot of it is, who are the speakers? Are they, answering or talking about things that I want to hear about um are they really reaching you know me in a a deeper way through their talking points you know those are the things I think that help people stay at your event and actually continue with your your firm because they're realizing that okay we're on the same page we're 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 aligned in our in our mission and our, our values and and what we're what what we find important you know
0: Yeah, for sure. Because at the end of the day, it's like, what value do they get for attending the event? You know, when they step away, right? And then we have to continue to kind of up that game.
1: Right, right. And what we're seeing too is, um, and I don't know if you're seeing this as well, but, you know, Pre pandemic, we had um, people, you know, everybody would want to come to an event. It, 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 we'd started at, I think, 5 30. We'd end it sometimes at like 9, 10 o'clock at times because people just loved to be out, um, you know, especially if there was a cocktail element at the end. But um, now what we're finding is people are really careful about which events they choose to go to. Um, there's still a level of caution there. Um, people do definitely want to go to in person events but they're not wanting to stay out for the whole night anymore they want to go you know if it's an evening event right after work go in listen to some great content have a few drinks and then be home early enough to catch the train and um and get home at a, a decent hour so we're also having to adjust you know timelines and 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 show flows to accommodate that tighter more com- compact uh, schedule
0: yeah, we're definitely seeing the same too. It's a line. It's like people are uh, more selective about right. what events they go to. And it's more about quality than quantity, right? Even Myself right. included. I even, oh, yes. had, you know, more of what, and I was just talking about this with someone yesterday, right? They're like, we used to have 50 events and now mm-hmm. we're thinking of doing more. I'm like, oh, it's kind of going the other direction. Right, <laughs> Let's right. <do> That's no. <laughs> oh, awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's also what we're finding is, Finding unique spaces is really valuable now. Um, you know, this is not knocking. You know, the large hotel spaces that have large, you know, conference space because obviously for significantly for significant sized events, you're going to need those large conference rooms and those large, um, you know, event spaces. But what we're finding is grabbing people's attention is having more intimate um, connections with your clients at special, unique types of venues. Um, you know. There's a a firm called Resident um, that I've used um, multiple times at this point. Um, And they, it's basically um, a a curated dining experience um, where folks can kind of go and have a Michelin star chef curate a five course meal for them, but at a really unique venue. So not at a restaurant, but they would find um, space at a, a, a rooftop at a residential, a high-end residential building that if you don't live there, you would never have access to. But they have these contracts with different venues. And it's really an amazing, unique service because you're having this wonderful dining experience at a really exclusive venue. That's gonna drive people to come to an event because you're not everyone can get to that. It's it feels exclusive, and it is, to be honest, you know. So things like that, I think, are, are what people are are willing to spend their time um going to versus kind of what we've done year over year uh conference after conference in the same you know standard hotel conference room yeah,
0: for sure and that's like a perfect lead-in into my next question what makes it event from good to great and I feel like we we already talked about some of them
1: we right? did like a unique yeah. venue and definitely
0: programming right and also
1: I think customer service I can't say it um can't say it loud enough. Uh, from the minute someone gets to that registration desk, the experience, the on-site experience, and honestly, even before then, the pre-event experience during the registration process—that is really what sets apart um, a good event from a great event. Um, you can have all the bells and whistles on site, but if your staffing isn't polished, if your computer system is, is wonky, and it's, it's um, causing the user experience to be lengthy. Um, if you're using an invitation management tool or a registration tool that isn't intuitive, that leaves folks questioning how to get to the next page or what they should answer, and it takes too long, um, all of that affects the bottom line of the event. And I think that taking away all the bells and whistles, it really comes down to the client experience through that customer service, through that white glove service, Um, The firm that I'm working at now, we really specialize in client relationships, and it's not about the sales. It's really about building those relationships through one-on-one communication, through really specialty approaches when you're dealing with events. And even though the event may be what some would consider simple, seeing it might just be a reception or just a luncheon, it's the level of service that goes into it down to speaking with the wait staff to make sure they are fully well-versed on what they're um, presenting on their, their, their um, plates, you know, making sure that um, the bartenders are well versed in the alcohols that are served, um, making sure that the wait staff is uh, fully versed on the show flow, and that we do quiet service and that they're trained on that. There's little details like that, where it really helps to elevate your events. Um, and, and, You really just want to come across as a subject matter expert in all things event related when you're on site, especially because for the folks that are joining, they want to be able to know that they're giving you their time and they're going to get the utmost, um, you know, the most polished event possible.
0: yeah there with. Events, there's so many little details that people don't even think of, right? But oh, 100%. We always had to kind of think of okay, anticipate the need. Like, what else can we do? Okay, if I was, you know, the attendee, what is my, our journey or their journey?
1: Right. But right, kind right. of from
0: beginning to end, like you said, because otherwise it won't be polished because you have not put yourself in that shoe.
1: Right, right. Even down to things like name badges, you know, we have um, obviously in Salesforce, if you use any of those CRM tools, you know, the sales folks are collecting all this information about their clients. And sometimes we have a field for nicknames or, or what is it they prefer to be called. So their name may be William, but everyone calls them Bill. So on the name badge, if they register and they're typing in, you know, during the registration process, if they type in William, you know, as the first name, but in Salesforce, in our CRM system, we have that they prefer to be called Bill, we make sure that the name badge has Bill on it. Um, so that, Again, it doesn't seem like a big to do, but those little nuances, it helps make people feel like, wow, they really paid attention. They they did their research and um, I feel very connected to this event and the people that are putting it on.
0: It's funny you mentioned name badge because we, you know, we, a lot of time people put like people's name in like small fonts and company name, small fonts. And then the logo is super huge, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, as you're walking to through the conferences, or even you're like, what's their name? Mm-hmm. So we start doing where like first name is bigger, and then attendee notice. They're like, thank you for n- making a name badge that I can see.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, and I'm guilty of that too. You know, especially even for somebody that's a new hire. You know, you don't always even know the people that you're working at um, your company. So it's it's just a a it's just a nice to have. Um, to just always do name badges i'm not a huge fan of the very large ones that kind of take over your whole chest area those are a little bit too gaudy in my opinion um but i think being large enough that you can at least see someone's name and their firm and their title at, at points if, if it makes sense so that some you know exactly who you're talking to it just helps um across the board
0: mm-hmm. and help the connectivity
1: right 100 so like,
0: yeah Michaela versus like uh what's your name again
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly
0: avoid the awkward moments so what kind of events are you working on for 2023
1: most of our events i mean we do a wide array of events um from we still have uh, we still do a lot of virtual uh, you'd be surprised actually um we're still getting um, really great um, interest and in, and again it goes back to the content Um, on our virtual events, and those are on standard Zoom. The ones that I really look forward to are the ones that are in-person events um, in different venues. Uh, A lot of our events are at country clubs, but again, elevating the experience through that white glove service. um, It's just really great to connect with our clients in that way since a lot of the folks haven't been together um, since, you know, I wanna say 2022 was the first time we started uh, introducing in-person again um, to our clients and client base. This year, um, I'm working on an event for our clients um, for the next generation, Um, and I think that is what I'm probably most excited about. Um, I work in wealth management, and most of our events are catering to a specific clientele or COI um, group in a specific age range. Um, For the next gen event, we cater to specifically 21 to 35 year old, that kind of age range. So it allows us in the event space a little bit more um, creativity when it comes to the look and feel, when it comes to the different activations on sites, um, when it comes to the venues that we're choosing. So I'm looking forward to that. It's gonna be in the fall. I'm working on that now with my team, um, but that one will be able to add a little bit more color um, and more kind of engaging activations on site, um, different from what kind of our day to day. So. That's going to be a really a fun one for me.
0: That's great. Can you decode COI? What does that stand for?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, sure it's uh, not
0: certificate.
1: <laughs> um, centers of influence. So we a lot of our clients, um, you know, are are very wealthy. Um, you know, a lot of our clients are high net worth um, individuals. Um, but our COIs would be the people that could influence them. People like attorneys. Um, lawyers, uh, uh, accountants, so people that aren't necessarily part of that um, bracket but that have influence over them. So sometimes we have events catering towards their needs and their interests uh, because ultimately, um, you know, they'll be able to affect, you know, or have influence over our actual clients. DEI means so much to me. I am a daughter of immigrant parents. My family is from Guyana, in South America, um, and I am a Black woman born and raised in the Bronx, um, so coming up, you know, within my career, there were challenges, um, you know, trying to fit in and trying to kind of meet the requirements um, within corporate America and not always feeling that I had the support across the board, um, especially from certain senior level um, executives. Um, so I think that for me, um, over time, I've been able to find my voice um, and really champion what I uh, what I believe in and be my most authentic self. And honestly, that has been super valuable to me. Um, I think, especially in the climate that we're in right now, I'm finding that you actually are getting more respect um, when you just show up as your most authentic self. Um, and uh, being able to find ways to incorporate diversity in the role that I have is also um, a challenge that I, I fully accept uh, because people feel like, well, you have to work as a, in the Department of Diversity and Inclusion at a firm to really impact change. And I'm a firm example that you don't. You can be a change agent in whatever um, area of the company that you work for. I work in events. Um, there are times where our stakeholders or our business partners are having discussions about the kind of speakers they want to have on stage. And if I notice that those speakers are predominantly all white male, then I'm going to raise my hand and say, hey, you know, let's let's talk about this. Let's see how we can diversify our speakers. Maybe we can work on changing the content. Maybe we can work on bringing in people that may not be on the same level as those speakers from a, a, um, a title perspective, but can add a different insight. So we can get you know different views um, and really be inclusive um, when we're we're presenting ourselves um, on stage. Um, down to the suppliers that we use, um, there is a whole network of diverse suppliers, uh, florists, uh, AV folks, you know, catering companies, um, and really tapping in to be intentional about the vendors that you choose when you're working on these events. And again, you're not going to hear yes to everything. There will be a lot of nos or a lot of you know. We already have our preferred vendors and those types of those, but continue to push. I, that's what I would encourage folks to continue to push the envelope because now is the time. Um, I think we're at a time where especially the Gen Zers of the world are um, very uber aware and uh, of what's going on and um, paying more attention. The consumers across the board are paying attention on what kinds of um, initiatives and, and uh pillars the company is um, they're working with are standing um, um, on. And if you are on the wrong side of the conversation in the long haul, it's not going to be great for you. So it's just better to always think with the lens of the and I. Um, and then me for me personally, as someone that is a person of color, um, just being able to open the door for other people of color um, within not only the firms I work for, but also in my personal life, it, it's really invaluable to me. And it's something that I really hold dear.
0: I really resonated with what you said that you don't have to be in DI department to make, to be a change agent. Yeah. Right? You yes. can literally do it in every facet, whatever department and in professional and personal. So thank you for that great experience.
1: Of course, of course.
0: And that um, I want to check with you because you know you really rise up in your career, like what is the one thing that really helped propel you propel you successfully?
1: I would say there's um I, if I can give you two that would be great yes, um, yes. I would say for for the first would be preparation um I will never forget when I was uh, I wasn't even interviewing. I was on LinkedIn, and I think a recruiter reached out to me for the role I had at BNY Mellon, which was also vice. Oh no, it was actually I started as a project manager for the marketing department. Um, and I remember looking up the company and being super intimidated because I had no finance experience. Um, and I was used to working at a lot of smaller to mid-sized companies. And this obviously was a, a very large global enterprise. Um, And I was very nervous and I almost didn't take the interview. Um, And I had a talk with my sister and she said, just go for it. They reached out to you. They know you, they saw your LinkedIn. They know what you're, what you have as your skill set. And I studied, I went and I reviewed anything I could find online about the brands. I studied their website. I looked over the senior level people that were there. I looked at their marketing and what they were doing in the industry. I really studied so by the time the interview came, I felt so confident and so prepared, um, and I aced it. <laughs> and I ended up, um, after two two interviews, um, I ended up getting the call that I landed the role. And honestly, that was one of the most impactful um, jobs I've had in my entire career. I started off in marketing marketing project management and was able to transition to the vice president of events role. And um, that firm and and the work I did there really helped propel me. Um, to where I am today in my career. Um, But practice, practice, practice and and do your homework. It it really does pay off. Um, And then the next point would be um, connections. Um, And not to say that I had all these connections, but working on building the connections. Um, I would go to a lot of networking events. I would um, go within the company I was in, I'd go and have coffee breaks with people, I'd go and have lunch with different people, people that were interesting to me or working in a, in a field um, or in a position that I thought was, would be interesting for me to like learn from. And that really helped me uh, because what, what that did was it gave me additional allies. It gave me people that were championing, championing in me that um, ultimately some people became sponsors and were really advocating for me when I wasn't in the room. Um, And also, being open to finding different ways to fulfill your um, your needs. For example, in the role that I was in initially, um, I might not have had a lot of um, uh, direct an uh, interface with our executives, but I was part of our EBRG groups, our Employee Resource Groups, and in that position, I was helping our executives um, prep for. For the events that they would have, um, I was kind of having leading calls for um, speaker prep and those types of things. So it gave me the access to the executives that I may not have had if I just stuck in my initial, you know, role and stayed within just the department. It really allowed me to branch out and and show my skill set outside of just what I was doing on my day to day. So definitely using your connections um, and and building those connections that you have um for the job that you want because ultimately there are going to be tons of people who have access um, to conversations that you are not a part of and you just want to make sure that you're the first person they're thinking of in the best way possible
0: those are fantastic tips Michaela preparation and also connection hope you guys are writing those down (laughs) my last question for you for the day it's been so amazing how do you practice self-care
1: um, self-care, that's always tricky. And I, I think I'm sure you can relate during the pandemic, that was really difficult because my home was always my sanctuary. Um, and their lines definitely gl- got bur- blurred when I um, started working from home, um, because I was bringing all of that work into what was my sanctuary. Um, but I do think that I've i have now gotten to a place where um, I really practice self-care by not opening my laptop once I get home after I'm coming from the office. So on days when I'm commuting into the city and I come home, I don't care if I have all this extra work I need to finish. I am closing my laptop and it'll be done the following morning because I need that reset. And I think we all do. Um, You need a chance to just reset, turn off for a little bit. I turn on a lot of reality TV (laughs) and I just immerse myself in another world for an hour or two before I go to bed. And it's really essential, honestly, to me. Uh, because we're not robots, we're human, and we need a chance to reset. And um, for me, it's closing the laptop and turning off work and just doing something relaxing and, and mindless. And I think that's why for me, reality TV, it's like, you're just watching something. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to, to figure it out. You're just following blindly, enjoying whatever is on the television. And then I get a chance to just go to sleep and just really feel at ease.
0: That's great. Okay, I have to ask. What's one of your favorite reality
1: shows then? Oh my gosh, the one that everyone's been talking about, Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> it's kind of been uh polarizing the last few weeks, uh but yes, that that's probably one of my favorites, but honestly, anything that Bravo does, my I don't even know why I pay for cable cuz my television <laughs> basically stays on that channel uh all all week so.
0: You just need yeah. one channel.
1: <laughs> yes, basically. That and the news in the morning. I love Good Day New York in, in the mornings. <laughs>
0: That's great. That's great. Oh my God. This has been absolutely remarkable. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining us and sharing all your wisdom. You know, I know I took away so much just by listening to you, and just I think you're such a bright star. So keep shining. And
1: thank you for
0: all of you that are tuning in. Thank you for joining us. And feel free to go back and re listen to this episode. I think it has so many great nuggets.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for tuning in for today's episode of Event Up. If your company is looking to level up your event experience, we are your solution. We do all the work. You take all the credit. Give us a call. Don't forget to share and subscribe for more episodes. If you like what you heard today, please share with a friend. We look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.